Hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. This is my home, my dog, my fireplace, my chair, my clothing, my great, uh, well, I'm not going to call it man cave because my wife is with me here all the time. It's our cave in, in effect. It's where I do all my writing. Well, that's not true. I do a lot of my writing on airplanes, actually. In fact, I do a tremendous amount of writing on airplanes because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> You can't. Well, I could watch a movie theoretically, but I'm, I'm not uh, not inclined uh, to do so instead of write. Anyway, it's great to be with you. How is Otto doing? Otto, America's most famous dog. He, uh, as I point out to you frequently, has not let it go to his head. But I, I don't tell it to his face. I, I don't want to test him. You never know. So this is completely unscripted. It's a chance every week to as it were, meet with you, offer you some thoughts about what is on my mind, and take your questions. Tell you what's on my mind. What's on my mind is the constant calling of Republicans, conservatives, and especially anyone who voted for the President of the United States, Donald Trump, a Nazi, a racist, a fascist, and I have a very good response that I'd like to offer to you. That, And I'd like to pose this question to those of you who think this way. So I'm giving those of you who know what a lie and what a libel that is and what a smear that is and how cruel it is and how stupid it is. And those of you who really believe it, I'm giving you both the same uh, question as it were. So here is a question that if you uh, support uh, conservatism and or uh, President Donald Trump, you might want to ask somebody who says that such people are racists. Now, what is racist? What is a racist? A racist is somebody who believes in the superiority of their race. Correct? That's like, like otherwise it's irrelevant, right? What else does a racist believe? You it's, that's why they always say the term white supremacist, right? They're supreme. Okay. So here's a question that you should pose to someone who believes that if you are accused of being such a person. You should say, tell me something. Whom, you could say whom, but most people don't anymore. Whom do you think I have more in common with? a white leftist or a black conservative? Simple as that. Let them answer you. You know, if you're conservative, you know whom you have more in common with. It's like, it's like, it's not even an issue. Who would you rather your child marry? Let's say you're white. Would you rather your child marry a black conservative or a white leftist. You're a Christian. Would you rather your child marry a black Christian or a white leftist atheist? Isn't it obvious? I, I can't even come up with even a fraudulent answer to my question because everyone knows whom we have more in common with. We who are called conservative. We don't give a damn about race. It means nothing to us. Get it? Nothing. 
skin color is as important to a conservative as eye color or shoe color. It's important to the left because they are the true racists. If race is important to you, you're the racist. If race is unimportant to you, you're the opposite of a racist. We live in an upside down world because the media go along with these lies and they are the lion media. I say this with no joy, none. I don't even say it with an agenda except truth. It's my only agenda. But that is a devastating question. I have spoken to many audiences, thousands and thousands in my life. Sometimes, many times, the audience is, is a thousand or more. So when it's really a large audience, and if it's a conservative audience as opposed to a mixed audience, I will ask the, uh, th let's say, a thousand conservatives. I'll ask them a question. If it's an American audience, obviously, and many of you are watching around the world, and I appreciate it immensely, and I value it, and what I have to say is universally applicable, even if I give American examples. So I will say to a large, conservative American audience, who would you rather have on the United States Supreme Court? Nine, and I really uh, uh, I engage in a little overkill here, nine black, lesbian, atheist, women, conservatives or nine white Christian male leftists and you know how they react there's massive laughter and then clapping so I say if it's if it's the black lesbian atheist female conservative applaud and there's massive applause if it's the white Christian male heterosexual, I forgot to add that, leftist clap, you don't hear one clap. Not one. We think in, term of value, in terms of values and the left thinks in terms of race, gender, and class. Christians have a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the uh, left has a trinity. Race, gender, class. In fact, the trinities are pretty common. America has a trinity too. Liberty and God we trust, e pluribus unum. It's on every coin. Jews, Judaism, not all Jews, but Judaism has a trinity. God, Torah, Israel. Said 2,000 years ago. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting thing how the shaping values of, of something or a people or a tradition or a religion seem to come in packages of three. So that's the question to be posed for all those who charge you, if you're conservative, uh, with this horrible lie that you're a racist and the like. A, uh, a black woman correspondent on the American channel MSNBC, I played it on my radio show, said that the MAGA hat, the Make America Great hat, is equivalent to a swastika and to a Ku Klux Klan hat. That is one bad woman. I don't say that often. 
the equation of people who support the president with Nazis? As I said on the radio, Jewish groups like the Anti-Defamation League, if they were actually out there to protect Jews, would have called for this woman's resignation from MSNBC. I'm sure they'll say nothing because most of these groups are left of center. It is amazing that people like that are not called out for cheapening Nazism. If 60 million Americans, what was it, 60 whatever million Americans, 67 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump are all Nazis, then Nazi doesn't mean a damn thing. All the left has done is cheapen the Holocaust, cheapen Nazi evil. Elisa Milano, the actress, tweeted a picture of Heinrich Himmler looking at concentration camp inmates during World War II. The Nazi beast called Heinrich Himmler, the head of the SS, in many ways the, the, the man who he ran the death camps with a picture of the vice president of the United States at the southern border with Mexico, looking at people who are detained behind a fence. As if there was some parallel between what the Nazis did to Jews and others and what America is doing to people coming into the United States. May I remind Elisa Milano, a truly stupid woman, and I don't usually use adjectives, but that's the kindest one I could think of, that no one could leave a Nazi concentration camp. Everyone can leave an American detention center. Would you say that that's a big difference? I think it's a big difference. A place you're free to leave means you're free. A place you're not free to leave means you're a prisoner. She can't tell the difference because she doesn't want to know the difference. But she, Elisa Milano, is symbolic of the whole left. Did anybody on the left, and I don't mean liberals, I always make a distinction between liberals and leftists. They vote the same because liberals are naive. They don't understand their enemy is not conservatives, their enemy is leftists, but they don't have the same views. That's a left-wing thing, what Elisa Milano did. And this woman on MSNBC and so many others Robert De Niro getting up at the Academy Awards and, and other award places, a big actor, and just using the F word against Donald Trump. The, uh, the, the star of the American women's soccer team that won the World Cup saying she's not going to visit the effing White House and using the F word in New York. What a, you know, you're the effing best New York. It's not classy crowd, is it? We don't do that stuff. If a conservative athlete was invited to the White House under Barack Obama, he went. Simple as that. There were a tiny number. I, I could think of one exception, and he was unbelievably respectful. The goalie of the Boston Bruins one year when they won the when they won the Stanley Cup in hockey. 
So remember, that's the thing to ask. So you really think I'm a racist? So let me ask you a question. Who do you think I have more in common with? A black conservative or a white leftist? That answers the issue. That proves in one fell swoop you, you have nothing to do with racism. Because a true racist would have racial solidarity, right? Hey, whites are better. Really? Well, if whites are better, then, you, then that includes leftist whites and rightist whites and centrist whites. But they, they, don't, they don't mean, oh, they might mean what they say, but they don't say it because they believe it. They say it to destroy conservatives because they can't destroy us with arguments because they have no arguments. This is as true if you're watching in Europe or Latin America as it is here. The left has passion and love of power. We're for the poor and the downtrodden. Therefore, we're good. Therefore, since we're good, all those who oppose us, by definition, must be bad. That is the left-wing mind in a nutshell. They think they're wonderful, so if you oppose them, you're awful. It's as simple as that because they're simple. That's, that's, the, that's the fact. This is truly a terrible time in terms of the rhetoric. I had on my radio show this week a, uh, a professor, a, a psych psychiatrist, a distinguished psychiatrist professor at the University of Louisville, Kentucky. He went to a conference where he said that if a child thinks that he is a girl or she is a boy, don't necessarily start suppressing hormones or giving hormones. There's probably a different issue at play here. This man's a ch child psychiatrist, MD. Psychologists have PhDs often, but psychiatrists are MDs. He deals with children. That's his life's work. He has helped so many. And they fired him at the University of Louisville. Because according to the left, if a child says, a boy says, I'm a girl, you can't do anything at all to try to help him stay a boy. That's mean. But they're mean. And that's my opening thoughts for today. Whom do you have more in common with? Time to go to your questions. Okay, Jay, 50 in Brooklyn. I recently caught episode 90 when the question of why parents abandon their children came up. I understand the program is an off-the-cuff style, but I truly wish you would put more thought into that question. As a parent that, quote, abandoned, unquote, their child and others in the same predicament as myself could attest, that narcissistic or no love for a child could not be further from reality. If you would like more input, please feel free to reach out. Love your program. I can't, I don't know what you're referring to, and I would love to hear from you. There are two reasons fathers cease to play a role in their child's life. Uh, if it's their, if the child hasn't wished it, obviously, that's a third reason. But the two reasons are either willingly or unwillingly. If it's unwillingly, then, the, then he didn't abandon his child. 
I don't know what the issue is. And I know many fathers who were forced to abandon their children by angry ex-wives and a divorce. And that's an act of evil. And I believe a good God will, in fact, exact justice for doing that. But there is no third possibility. You either abandon your child willingly or unwillingly. If it's willingly, you abandon your child. If it's unwillingly, you didn't abandon your child. So I, I can't imagine what your third option might be. So send it to me and I will be very interested. Cameron, 16, Irvine, a member of Prager Force. I have a Catholic father and a Reformed Jewish mother. I have been to church a few times and only to a temple once. I personally believe in God. How do I get more connected to a religion and God as someone who was raised interfaith? Well, you, you would do it the same way someone who wasn't raised interfaith. A lot of people are the child, are, are children of parents who are, let's say, both nominally Christian or nominally Jewish, and they get very little God in religion. So it, the fact that you have one parent in, in, of each faith and probably neither is all that committed or they probably wouldn't have intermarried, then uh, the answer is to you is the same as to anybody else who's not raised with much God or religion. Go and, go and search. And I, uh, you, you could do a lot worse than begin with my rational Bible because Jews and Christians both revere the Bible. So it'll explain it in, in a very uh, compelling way. And you would, uh, you would then go from there. And then you go to synagogue and you try different types of synagogues, go to different types of churches. And ultimately, you'll make a choice. But I hope you do make a choice. God and religion in your life is infinitely richer than no God or religion in your life. In fact, that's the root of leftism is no religion in their lives. Leftism is a religion. It's a secular religion. It fills the vacuum that the death of Judaism and Christianity have played in their lives. Daniel 33, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Thanks so much for your videos. You are welcome. I often enjoy a cigar while watching the fireside chat. Don't tempt me. That is so wrong to rub it in. I did, but Facebook said that I, it was a bad model, so they, they didn't allow some of those videos up. Isn't that amazing? I wonder if I smoked marijuana, would they allow that? Or if, what if I drank, uh, what if I had uh, vodka or a martini? I'd be very curious what they would say then. What is your favorite airport worldwide when traveling? My favorite airport is A-B-L. Anything but LAX. That's my own airport, the LA airport, which is uh, just this side of Primitive. And one of the reasons, it's, it's way, way overstretched. It's old and it's overstretched. Uh, it's got too much traffic. I don't, I don't remember the last time I landed and went to a gate. I have to wait for a plane to leave the gate. There's something fishy in Los Angeles. We should have another big airport. Well, we do, John Wayne. We should have a third big airport. And that, that is uh, Ontario. But for whatever reason, it has been kept very small. 
though it could handle a tremendous number of flights. I don't know why not. New York has three, LaGuardia, Newark, and Kennedy. And even then, they're pretty packed. Kinsey, 22, Dearborn, Michigan, a member of Prager Force. Hi, Kinsey. Dennis, do you think PragerU is polarizing because you often focus on religion? Okay, then I'll get to, there are more questions on that. I wish I could ask you why you why you would suggest that in any way that's polarizing. Why, if focusing on religion is polarizing, then why isn't focusing on secularism polarizing? Why is only one side polarizing and not both? If I said nothing about God or religion anywhere at PragerU, why isn't that polarizing? Why isn't it polarizing religious people? But it's not polarizing just as the other isn't polarizing. I don't, I don't even understand. This is what school has done to you. And you're obviously wonderful because you're a member of Prager Force, and I mean that completely sincerely. And you're writing in, and I admire that. But you've been terribly affected. Why would that be polarizing? If somebody says anyone who doesn't have religion is a bad person, that's polarizing. But I haven't heard anybody say that. I've never said it in my life. Is it not possible to have a moral basis and ethics without religion? No, it's not possible. It's possible to be moral without religion, but you can't have a basis. What's your basis going to be? It's going to be your opinion or your society's opinion. All the great philosophers prior to the very, very recent period understood that without God, all ethics are relative. I think I or my society thinks this is good. You and your society thinks this is good. Unless there's a God who's the source of something like the Ten Commandments, see my video. If there's no God, is murder wrong? I mean, I debated at Oxford many years ago. I debated a wonderful man, an atheist, who's a truly wonderful human being. And uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Glover is a major moral thinker. I, and I, I have great respect for that man. He hates evil like I do. I'll take him over a lot of religious people. But he, he acknowledged that if there's no God, ethics are subjective. It's a matter of opinion because he was an honest atheist. So there is no basis. That's correct. You can, you can have, what is your basis? The, the most good for the most people? Well, if the most good for the most people is your basis, then you should kill uh, the elderly. That will help uh, bring down health costs and a whole host of other issues. Or kill deformed babies like the Greeks did. It wasn't worth it to their society to keep a deformed kid alive. Jews, the only monotheistic group at the time, did keep all their kids alive. You say God's existence is what gives us morals, but if you look at logic and philosophy, there are other arguments and people had morals long before religion was established. I'm referring mainly to ancient Greek philosophy. Of course they had morals. Every society has its version of morals. I never denied that. The question is whether they're absolute, whether they're universal. That's the question. You're going to say use reason? Reason can dictate any, any number of responses. Reason can dictate being cruel. I got, I got the power, I want to lord over you. Period. You're alone and you know you could get away with a crime. You're absolutely certain you could get away with a crime. And there is no God who sees you doing it. 
What is the rational thing to do? It's very rational to, to, to engage in the crime. Anyway, given human nature being so weak and so, uh, so many tendencies to bad, we really need a God. That I developed all of that stuff at length in the videos and, of course, in the Rational Bible. What's our time? 25. Oh, and she adds, it is a she? Is it a she? Mm -hmm. You know Kinsey? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Thank you, and the Prager Force retreat was great. It was amazing to see you talk in person, even if it was quick. Well, I take the quick part as the biggest compliment. I was there for an hour and a half. There wasn't quick at all. <laughs> But thank you. I had a great time with you. That is, you know, the collective you. Mike, 32, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Hello, Dennis Otto and everyone behind the camera. You often say wisdom begins with fear of God. Do you think wisdom can come from fear of human nature? Thanks. It certainly should. If you think human nature is basically good, even if you believe in God, you cannot be a, a wise person. It is not possible. That is true. I might as well say wisdom begins with fear of God, which is a biblical line, and wisdom begins with knowledge that people are not basically good. If you think people are basically good, you will end up a dummy, even if you're a genius. Wessel 14, the Netherlands. Ah, you, I want you to know you in the Netherlands. I think you're particularly friendly people. I went through that, didn't I? who I think are among the friendliest people in the world. The Dutch are up there. Do you think social media and mobile phones have increased loneliness in general? I, I hear that it has. And uh, I, I think it's true, but I don't know it's true. There are a lot of people who use social media to connect with a lot of people. I can't deny that. A lot of people met their spouse through social media, and I'm a big fan of that. I think single people should all use the internet to try to meet somebody. Then, you know, how are you going to meet somebody in normal life? Rely on a, your cousin is going to meet somebody and introduce you for you? It's pretty hard. On the other hand, if that's the entirety of it, uh, which it often is, you know, I'll give you a, a, a little example. I, I go to a health club. I work out three times a week. And I, I've been working out much of my life. And so I remember working out 30 years ago, 35 years ago. And nobody had earbuds when they worked out. So what happened? A lot of the clients between exercises might talk to each other. Hey, how you doing? I saw you working on the weights. What do you do? You know, what do you do? Nobody talks to anybody. It, it is, everybody's got earbuds on. I talk to my trainer. She doesn't have earbuds on, and I don't have earbuds on. But uh, but uh, client to client, member to member, nobody. The place is quiet like a library, except for the, you know, the rap music going on to get your muscles moving. So I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a fair example. I think it, it is. So I don't know the answer. I mean, if, if, if you don't, there's something phenomenal about being with a human in real life. 
On the other hand, you know, my, my grandkids live in uh, Florida. I live in California. I wish they lived in California, I, obviously, but they don't. So I, I go on, uh, on the phone with them, you know, on Skype or, or Duo, whatever the, the program is. And I'll tell you, it's pretty darn good. When I show up at their house and I haven't seen them in six months, they come over to me and, and you know, hug Poppy, as they call me, like I was there yesterday because we see each other through through the uh, the internet. So I, I don't know the answer. I, I don't think it guarantees loneliness, no. There are many other reasons for loneliness in our society. People don't have any groups they're members of. So, few, so many fewer people go to church or synagogue, as, just as an example. So many fewer people in the Rotary Club or in a book club or in a Bible study class. That, to me, is a big loss. So few people are marrying until a much later age. The greatest conqueror of loneliness is marriage. And friends, obviously, marriage and friends. I'm a big believer in both. I guess this is about time. 29. Well, I'll tell you this. If the fireside chat goes as fast for you as it does for me, that's a good sign. If, however, during it you kept going, oh, oh my God, I can't believe it. That's a bad sign. But on the other hand, you probably wouldn't have watched more. Right? Nobody, nobody has a gun to your head. Keep watching Dennis's fireside chat. But I do want to remind you that, uh, what are we up to now? Past 90? Wow. That it's worth watching all of them, watching them all again. I raise a lot of big issues here and people forget. It's totally understandable. Here's my motto on learning. Repetition is the mother of pedagogy. Pedagogy means learning or teaching. Repetition is the mother of it all. That's why practice makes perfect. So you have to practice ideas just like you practice a musical instrument. So watch, watch any of them anytime and, and send them along to others. And please watch my, uh, my testimony at the U.S. Senate. It's only five minutes and uh, it really says what PragerU and I stand for in a nutshell. I think you'll find it very moving. It's the only speech I ever wrote out. So I really chose every word particularly carefully. And with that, I will see you next week. Thank you so much for being with me on behalf of Otto, his brother Snoopy, and all of us at the Prager House, including my wife. Thanks for being with me. Look forward to next week. Bye. Thank you for watching. If you'd like to keep these fireside chats free, please do by donating to PragerU.